Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and I am just home from First Pitch Arizona, a conference that Baseball HQ puts on every year at the Arizona Fall League. We got to see three baseball games, including the Fall Stars game, and a lot of great players, and we got to um, sit in on some really good baseball analysis. But I think what I liked most was just uh, being around a bunch of people who are as enthusiastic about fantasy baseball and baseball in general as I am. We got to talk about all kinds of players, just random thoughts. Everybody was pretty much always up to discuss anything baseball and fantasy baseball related. So it was really a lot of fun. Um, Really enjoyed getting to meet a lot of you. I won't go through a long list of names, but I met some really great people. So um, if you ever get a chance, First Pitch Arizona was definitely worth it to me. I would recommend it to anyone. But I'm back, and uh, one other thing we got to do out there was uh, draft early, (laughs) very early. It's still October. But we did the first 23 rounds of a draft and hold league, um, which, of course, are uh, 50-round drafts that... Where in a you know a draft and hold there is no picking up and dropping and trading of players throughout the season. It's just you get the best line the best roster you can, and then you fill a lineup every week as best you can throughout the year. And I, I did really well in this format last year. I had eight uh, draft and hold teams in the NFBC. And I got first place in four of them, so I didn't want to change up anything too much, but I think um, I did have some sort of new ideas going in, and I feel like it was pretty, um, some of them paid off, and some of them I maybe need to, to work on a little bit. So, as I did last year, um, my closer strategy was just to get three somewhat cheap. And since most closers are going cheaper this year, or you know, at least that's what it's shaping up to be, I got all three um, after round 10. So I got Will Smith in round 11, Ian Kennedy and Alex Colome in 15 and 16. So pretty set up there. As long as those guys keep their jobs, they're all still you know on on the teams where they've been they were closing uh, all of 2019 so barring any trades and stuff like that it seems reasonable to think they would keep the job and really you just you want to make sure you get guys with a job and uh, or that you know can be projected to have a job and even if you think they're going to get traded at some point during the season like you know Everybody thought Will Smith was this year, and everybody thought Alex Calame was this year. Uh, You can rack up a lot of saves before that happens, and as we've learned in 2019, it it may not happen, um, as it didn't with either of these guys. So perfectly happy with those three, not the top three I would have picked, but where I got them, it's great, and now I don't have to think about saves until very late in the draft, and I'm talking about after round 40, 
just to pick up anybody who might um, step into a job later. So the other thing I, and, that, and, and so that was basically what I did last year and it, it worked pretty well. Um, it's amazing, even if you get three closers, you can still end up lacking saves in some leagues, um, just depending on what happens, you know, injuries or attrition, but um, it worked in the majority of my leagues last year. One thing that I was going to try a little different is um, I, I ended up very strong in hitting in almost all of my leagues last year, and uh, that worked very well because hitting, especially in a draft and hold league, is really difficult. So um, bullying hitting was probably a good strategy, and I didn't want to get away from that entirely. However, with the pitching, especially the starting pitching market, um, last year and I would expect going into this year there is a big glob of pitchers that many people have talked about that could be the next Shane Bieber and they could they could do great or they could be the next Nick Pavetta and they could do very poorly and I've talked about this a little too so my idea was, as best as possible, I would like to avoid this glob because I don't think I'm good enough to pick out the right pitchers. So in order to do that and yet still come out with enough pitching, I was going to have to invest early. And so I did that to some extent in this draft. I've tweeted out my draft board so you can go take a look. I had the 10th pick overall, and I got Trey Turner in the first round. I was really happy he fell to me. So I knew I was going to take a pitcher in round two, and um, so many were off the board already. Uh, all of the top pitchers that go in rounds one and two, all the way to uh, Walker Bueller. So that would be, let me see if I can do this off the top of my head. Uh, Scherzer, Cole, Verlander, DeGrom, Bueller. And I think that was it. And then I took Clevenger. Um, Bieber is also obviously a candidate there, and I think that's about it for me. Um, so I definitely would have to get one of those two guys. Um, I like Clevenger just a little bit better for upside, but you really have to like the Indian schedule, you know, as much as they get to play the Royals and the White Sox, who will probably be improved, but the Tigers is really where it's at. So I was pretty happy with that. And then in, uh, pick, in round three, um, at pick 40, Kettle Marte fell to me. I think a lot of people are a little scared off at Marte, thinking there's going to be a lot of regression, just like they did with Yelich last year. And I'm not comparing the two players, but I do think people are very, very wrong to do that. Um, everything about what Kettle Marte did seems very real to me, and I can probably go into that in a future player analysis. But I was happy to get him there, uh, especially as... One of the guys who I think will compete for the top second baseman again this year. And he's also outfield eligible, which is clutch in a um, draft and hold format. Just, you know, in case you spike a second baseman in round 36, you know, and you want to play him at second and move Kettle Marseille over to outfield, especially if your outfield's injured. So there's a lot of good options there. So in round four at pick 51, um, I knew I was going to take a starting pitcher, and I was already not extremely thrilled with the um, 
options. Kershaw had already been drafted. Um, Bieber, of course, went um, early in the third round, maybe even in the second round. I don't, I don't actually remember, but uh, I should have taken a picture of the draft board. So I will uh, be watching for when they send out the results and maybe I'll do a, another little analysis of, of guys that I barely missed or you know forgot about or really wish I had gotten. But for now, I got Luis Severino uh, as, my, as my second pitcher. And uh, I think he's got great upside, but he is, to me, not in the same tier as the seven guys that I mentioned um, from, you know, Scherzer, Cole, Verlander, uh, DeGrom, Bueller, Bieber, and Clevenger. I believe those guys are in a tier of their own. Uh, I like Severino. I like Kershaw. I like Blake Snell. I like Patrick Corbin. I like you know, a lot of other guys, but none of them, to me, have the safety and the floor of those first and second round guys. And I don't think any of those seven guys are going to go much later than the second round. You may see um, in some you know, uh, drafts with uh, fewer you know, experts and, and fantasy writers, um, you may see uh, Bieber or Clevenger dropping into the third round, but it's going to be rare. So I was um, just glad to snag another pitcher with upside before it really starts dropping off because, you know, in, in the next seven rounds, I really want to avoid pitcher. Plus, I needed to start getting some hitters again because as good as this draft was, you know, last year I was getting Yelich a lot in the first round and Freddie Freeman a lot in the second round, and Xander Bogarts a lot in the third round, so I was starting off a lot stronger at hitter. So the next three rounds, five, six, and seven, between pick 70 and pick 100, I grabbed Marcelo Zuna, Jorge Soler, and Ramon, Ramon Laureano. And I am pretty thrilled about that start for the outfield and filling out my hitters that way. Um, just gives a lot of... Uh, Power, some speed. I think all of those guys, well, maybe not Solaire, but the other two will have double-digit steals or close to it for Ozuna. And Laureano could flirt with more than that. Um, I like the playing time, the lineup spots these guys are in, the runs in RBI should be pretty strong. And Solaire gives me that upside power that you're going to have to have at some point in the lineup this year because um, there are a lot of guys who are going to hit a lot of home runs, uh, as we saw from you know, Pete Alonzo and other guys just coming right in and, and smacking the ball. Um, I took Brandon Woodruff in the eighth round just because I knew I wasn't going to be taking starting pitchers for a while after that. And... He is one of the last uh, in this sort of glob of upside pitchers that definitely are not as sturdy with their floor. But I really like him, and I like Frankie Montas, and I like Mike Soroka, and a couple of other guys. And so to the extent that I can, I'm going to try to get one of those guys before I go on my starting pitcher drought for probably the next 10 rounds after that. 
And so the takeaways so far to me are it would have been really hard to pass up on Trey Turner or Ketel Marte. But if I had somehow passed up on Trey Turner, I probably could have grabbed just um, Justin Verlander or um, I'm trying to remember who was still around at that point, but certainly Bueller probably probably wouldn't have been my first choice in the first round. But but uh, I could have get, gotten a true ace, still gotten Clevenger, and then instead of Marte, I could have started with Jonathan Villar. I believe he was still there in the in the third round. Um, in fact, I think he didn't get picked so late in the fourth round. But Jonathan Villar has a lot of the same merits Trey Turner does. He's a 40 stolen base threat uh, and more, but he also has pretty good power, you know, 20 home run power for sure. And that is, a, that is the only way, in my opinion, you can afford to have a guy who um, you're really getting for that stolen base upside. If you're going for a Malik Smith there are a lot of problems with that. One of them is he's going to kill you in RBI. Uh, another one is he's not a very good baseball player and his team might just decide to bench him. So if you're really going to go for one of these high-end stolen base guys, you got to go for the guys that have some power too. And the thing is those guys go early. So Trey Turner in the first round, I think at 10, 10 overall, I think he's a value, but, um, I'm not sure that I like that better than having a true ace pitcher there instead of Severino and just taking uh, VR in, I could have even taken VR in the fourth round, I think, instead of Severino. So the downgrade from Turner to VR might not be quite as bad as the downgrade from Verlander to Severino. But I'll have to sort of hash that out. What I think I'll just do, I'm going to do a lot of these um, draft and hold leagues, the NFBC draft champions leagues. I'll probably just try a few different things in these first three or four rounds. But it's definitely worth considering that those seven pitchers I named earlier are the elites and everybody else, the floor is going to be lower. Uh, at least in my my eyes. So... After Woodruff in round eight, I took Trey Mancini in round nine, and I really just love that pick. For, for for one thing, first base is very hard to find, you know, a, a safe, uh, good batting average stud who can hit 30-plus home runs with decent counting stats, especially here in the ninth round. And then after that, I, I don't know that that player exists. There's... There's some upside. I was looking at CG, CJ Krohn later, but um, not sure that the playing time is going to be there every day. Um, and I'm, you know, the health has been a concern recently, so you definitely want to see him healthy. And so there's some options there, but none of them to me are as safe as Mancini. And I like Mancini's batting average to be a lot better too. In the tenth round. I sort of took a little break from the plan to grab uh, Luis Robert. I think he is going to be up fairly early. I think he could be a 20-20 player, maybe even a 25-25 player. I'm not convinced his batting average is going to be great, but he's the kind of player that if he does come up on time and he hits like you want him to, 
he's going to make a huge difference in you in your uh, hitting for your league. So he could solve a lot of problems. And spoiler alert, I, I, I took Manuel Margot in round 17. So it would be wonderful to be able to replace him with uh, Luis Robert uh, if he comes up in April or May. So we'll see how that works out. Obviously, just a big upside play. Like I said, after that, I took Will Smith in the 11th and Ian Kennedy and Alex Colomay in 15 and 16. In between there, I filled in with uh, Lourdes Gurriel in the 12th, J.D. Davis in the 13th, and Domingo Santana in the 14th. So I like all three of these players a lot there for a lot of reasons. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel showed in about half a season this year when he hit 16 home runs that he's, he really does have 30 home run upside. Um, I'm not just extrapolating there. Uh, his metrics uh, for uh, the quality of his uh, contact that he makes and his power and max exit velocity all seem to back this up. Um, I'm not sure he's that good a hitter. That's why he's available in the 12th round here. But I am in it to find out. And unfortunately, he's only outfield eligible because he just did not play enough to get second base and shortstop again. But I am perfectly happy taking a shot on Lourdes Gurriel. He also showed that he could steal some bases. So if he could be you know, a 25-10 or 30-10 guy, that's huge. Um, not counting on that, not banking on that, but it would be a big boon to my team. J.D. Davis, I identified very early this year as a guy who, if he started getting regular playing time, could actually be a real star. He had incredible quality of contact and plate discipline and power, and he was just he just looked like the total package, and the Mets weren't playing him. Well, late in the season this year, he started to get opportunities, and by the end of the year, they were playing him almost full-time, and I feel like even the Mets should realize that he needs to be an everyday player. So he will probably just be an outfielder next year, um, but he will have third base eligibility, which is entirely huge here because there were not too many... I, I feel like third base is a... Is a, is a strong position, but not a particularly deep position. So it's the 13th round. I haven't gotten one yet. And here I think I got one who could return, you know, third round value if he plays every day, if all goes well. I think he'll have flirt with 30 home runs, maybe have more. And counting to that should be great. And he should be, you know, a 280, 290 hitter with upside from there. So... Uh, maybe that sounds optimistic, but I'm very, very optimistic about J.D. Davis. Uh, then Domingo Santana surely has proven that he can be a you know, 25, 30 home run, 10 steal guy. Um, the batting average is not going to be you know, 280, 290, but it shouldn't be much lower than 250, 260, which is not going to hurt you. And I just feel like he should be playing every day somewhere. Um, the Mariners have a very talented uh, pipeline for their outfield, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. They still have him, uh, you know, Domingo Santana and uh, 
Mitch Haniger there, in addition to Malik Smith, uh, who I could easily see becoming a fourth outfielder. So are they going to make way for their younger guys or not? It'll be interesting to see. They could easily do some trades, um, which is kind of DePoto's jam. So maybe that is what we'll see in the offseason. But I got to think Domingo Santana is going to play. And as I said in round 17, after grabbing those uh, relief pitchers, I grabbed uh, Manuel Margot. I think he, they, they've sort of cleared the way for him um, by trading Fran Mel Reyes. And I don't really think that was a smart baseball move, but I think he's going to play in center field. Um, even if the Will Smith, uh, Will Myers uh, experiment continues, I, I think Margot is going to play. Um, and I think he has showed upside with his stolen bases. So I'm looking at hopefully 20 or 30 stolen bases there and not zero power. Although I do think he's going to hurt me in RBIs. Um, which is why I said, if I could replace a a guy like that with a guy like Luis Robert, um, I'd do that in a heartbeat uh, if he comes up. And the 18th, I got Gio Urshela for my corner infield, and he's also third base eligible just in case the Mets do Mets things and screw over my J.D. Davis pick in the 13th. And, uh, you know, Gio Urshela kind of uh, has the same issue for the other New York team. You know, he, they have a lot of talent. They could play just about anybody anywhere, and it wouldn't be too utterly surprising. I do think Urshela is, has proven his bat just like Luke Voigt did in 2018, and they at least started out playing him until the injuries came in. So I think Rochelle should get a chance, but Andohar was very good the um, year before, uh, you know, in 2018 as well. Um, so he'll be coming back, and they'll want to find a spot for him, but he's an awful third baseman. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, couldn't pass up the value in the 18th round, though, because I think Urshela is a 25 or 30 home run bat with decent average, so sign me up. Uh, in round 19, I finally took a catcher and didn't get any of my targets. They were fl- dropping like flies in rounds you know, 17 and 18. That's about when the catcher run started. So I got James McCann, which is fine. I think he's going to continue to have playing time, you know, probably sharing with Castillo, who I might, I'm, I'm not sure if Castillo was taking it. Um, he probably was. But anyway, I will get a catcher later and not particularly worried about that because there are always catchers that pop up. Hopefully I can identify one or two and one of them will, at least one of them will, um, will hit. And in round 20, I grabbed Corey Dickerson, as a reserve, I just think he's going to hit for a decent average, and he has certainly um, good power in the bat. And you know, as long as he stays healthy this season, he should play every day. So I feel like he's a pretty good plug-in if needed. And you know, if one of my outfielders gets hurt or <clears throat> becomes eligible at another position, and I want to play them there, something like that. Um, so, I didn't mention this, but I have Manuel Margot is going to be the, the utility guy. Uh, I guess any of them could be the utility guy, but I did I did 
want to clarify that since I mentioned six outfielders, um, including Margot. And so uh, in the last three rounds, I just grabbed starting pitchers because we only drafted 23 rounds of this 50-round draft and hold. We'll do the rest in, I believe, January. Uh, so in 21, 22, and 23, I grabbed Garrett Richards, John Means, and Matt Shoemaker. So a far cry from the first three pitchers I got. However, what I like about these these guys is I really feel like they should have jobs. Um, you could you could argue that Shoemaker's coming back from an injury, and there's a lot of uncertainty there, and he might be a relief pitcher or something. You could argue that Garrett Richards is sort of the same situation but I think those guys have a ton of upside and should play their way into starting roles if they're healthy Um, and John means not so much competition there so I want to focus on guys with even more certain jobs in the next few rounds um, and then more of the upside types later but I can't complain too much about these. Another thing about the last several rounds here is that um, I was scrambling a bit. You know, this was this was a live draft where we had just a few seconds to make our picks, so uh, I wasn't able to just really scour the uh, the available players every time it was my turn. So I feel pretty good about this. Uh, I have a few targets for the next few rounds, but it's going to be a while. So. Um, I'm going to try to, uh, use this to learn from as I do my draft and holds in the future. And, um, that's a little bit about the way I'm viewing draft and holds. Um, I think, you know, the real struggle can be, and and even in one of my leagues last year was just having enough hitters to fill all your roster spots because, you have guys that get hurt, or you have guys that lose their job, or you have guys that maybe even get sent down. You know, I'm thinking of Travis Shaw and Scooter Jeanette and Giancarlo Stanton and so many players last year that were lost for, you know, a majority of the season, if not the entire season. And so you really have to have, and then again, you know, after round 30 or so, you're the hitters that you take may or may not have jobs at all throughout the season. And if they do, it may be a, you know, fourth outfielder or utility player role where they're going to get, you know, four days, three days of playing time a week. And they're not going to, you're not going to compete in uh, runs and RBIs if you have too many of those players. So you have to get those, you have to get a a goodly number of hitters in the first 20 rounds, Uh, which is why I am only going to be taking probably three starting pitchers uh, and very early. So they have the most upside and floor, hopefully, and then I can spend the rest of the time on hitting. And then, of course, you need more than three starting pitchers, even if the others aren't as good. So I'll be taking a lot of starting pitchers uh, between round 21 and round 50. Uh, And I'm talking maybe 15 starting pitchers that I hope have jobs and or at least will be called up and have a job at some point in the season. And the way I figure it, if I hit on not even 50% of those, you know, if I hit on 
six or seven of those 15, then that should be plenty to fill out my staff as long as those first three don't get hurt and miss a lot of time. And those three, you know, the, especially the, the two that I take in the first three or four rounds should really be able to cover any deficiencies uh, in the rest of the pitching staff. So that's the way I'm seeing it now. Uh, I feel like that gives the best chance of success. I feel like the, um, the you know, the, the hitting is easier to, to predict and uh, upside hitting late is harder to find than upside pitching. So that's sort of why I've done my strategy this way. And like I said, it worked pretty well last year. So I'm not changing a whole lot except for the early uh, starting pitching. So let me know what you think of the strategy. I'm really interested in just sort of hashing this out as we get into uh, some more drafts. It, it may be uh, a few weeks before drafts even open up in the NFBC, but um, I will be looking forward to those and I will be participating in hopefully one or two each month um, between November and uh, February and March when uh, the real uh, more (laughs) competitive drafts and leagues happen. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter at CommonSenseFBB. And as always, stay classy, Planet Baseball.